Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Let's turn in your Bibles to the uh, book of 1 Thessalonians. And uh, 1 Thessalonians is going to be in the, the latter portion of your Bible. It's in the New Testament. And uh, this is one of the letters that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Thessalonica. Um, not knowing that he was going to write a second one, today we're going to read the conclusion of that letter. And now you've got to understand something. As we read this today, uh, keep in mind he thinks this is his last words as far as written words to the church. He doesn't know he's going to write another letter. And so that idea and that thought comes into play as we read um, the, uh, the good portion of this today. Uh, our series on hope. Why is our series on hope? Because the book of First and Second Thessalonians, what Paul is trying to do to the church is he's trying to instill hope. This is one of the very first churches. Uh, we know it's one of the first churches because he doesn't address any pastors. He doesn't address any elders or leaders. He just addresses the people in the church. And uh, so most scholars believe this is actually one of the very first churches that's established, and so it's very young. Not just young in how long it's been going, but these are people that are young in understanding Christianity, understanding what this whole uh, gospel message is all about. And so he's writing to them with that in mind. These people are undergoing some persecution for saying yes to the message that Paul has preached. And Paul knows they're under persecution because Paul, uh, Timothy, and Silas actually left in a hurry uh, from Thessalonica because uh, they were under persecution and before they'd been thrown in prison. And so they didn't want that to happen again. And so they left in a hurry. Knowing that, he writes this letter back to them to encourage them, to give them hope to continue on in the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this, Now concerning the time and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that that day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What's he talking about? He's talking about when Jesus Christ eventually returns. They don't need to worry. Um, they don't need to worry. Even though they don't know exactly that time and exactly that season, there's no need to worry because they belong to Jesus. Verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. Now, how many of you women have had babies before? Okay, a few of you. Okay, us men, we like to think we know what you're going through. We have absolutely no clue. So this analogy isn't really fair to us men, but you women understand it. It's going to come upon you like, like a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love uh, for the helmet and the hope of salvation. For God has not disdained us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So he writes this and he says, hey guys, if there's any fear about what's going to take place, don't worry about it. Just keep loving Jesus, keep serving him, and keep loving the community and telling other people about him. You don't need to worry about his return because you're going to be okay because you belong to him. Now in my Bible here in verse 12, I have this heading above it, and it says this. It says, final instructions. Final instructions. So these are 
Paul's, or at least what he thinks are his last words in a letter to them because he doesn't know he's going to write the second one. And so I want us to read with that filter because there's some weight to it. And it says this in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. One verse, two words. Rejoice always. We could just preach that one verse, those two words right there. Look at your bank account. Rejoice always. Look at your boss. Rejoice always. There was no amens on that one. Not even from my staff. I retract everything I said earlier, all right? When you look at your boss, rejoice always. <laughs> You'll catch up. When you look at your marriage, rejoice always. Amen. Oh, you better. If your wife is sitting next to you, oh, you better say amen to that one. Come on. Pray without ceasing. That's another good one right there, right? Verse 16 had two words. Verse 17 has three words. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. In some translations say brothers, and sisters. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. How many of you guys did that this morning when we said go greet somebody? Yeah, all the single people are like, I tried. She slapped me. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Final instructions for the newest church, the earliest church, possibly the first church, these final instructions, these 16 verses, and there's so much we could highlight in there, but for, for what I want to accomplish today, I want us to go back, and I want us to read verse 12 and 13, and it says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace among yourselves. It is after he makes this opening statement in this final, these final thoughts that then he goes in and he lays out, here's what I want you to do, but before you do any of that, I need you to understand something. Before you encourage the weak and before you admonish the idle and before you do all those things, Paul says, there's something I want you to understand. There's something I want you to catch. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love 
because of their work. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the next few moments we have together in this place. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, literally teach us from your word today and uh, use me as a voice piece to do that. God, I pray we'd walk out of this place having encountered truth and from encountering truth having a transformation in our lives. Uh, be with us today, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All of us sitting in here today uh, have house rules. Whether we live in an apartment, whether we live uh, in a home, uh, whether we're single and have nobody living with us, uh, whether we have roommates, uh, maybe you're married, maybe you're newly married, uh, maybe you've been married for a long time. My wife and I just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary last weekend. And, uh, and we have house rules. And our house understands the rules. What do I mean by house rules? Because uh, even if you're single, you can relate to this. Now, you might not know you have house rules if you're single until somebody comes over to your house and visits. Or until they come and they, someone spends the night. But if you're single, they're probably unspoken house rules because it's just you and you know how you want to operate in your house. But when you invite some friends over and those friends come over and they begin to do some things in your house you don't like, all of a sudden you realize, I guess I do have some house rules, whatever that might be. Okay, that might be putting, one of my pet peeves is I hate it when people put shoes on my furniture. Not a big fan of that, okay? And so when people come over to my house, I'll politely let them know, hey, could, would you mind getting your shoes off my furniture? And if you do it again, I'll smack you. I leave the last part off. That's the third warning. They get that. I'm just, I'm not a big fan. Now, people can wear shoes in my house. I'm fine with that. Shoes belong on the floor. Shoes do not belong on my couch, Okay. And, and so maybe you have one of those rules in your house. Maybe one of your rules is, uh, you know, I, I remember being at somebody's house, and, and uh, when, they, when they take the tops off of, a, uh, off, a, off like a beer, and it's got the jagged uh, things on the little, they hate it when you set it on the counter, because you're going to scratch up the counter. If that thing gets, you know, and it scratches it up, don't do that. That's one of their house rules. You, you have house rules whether you know it or not. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the most awesome things is when somebody gets a roommate for the first time. Especially if they're moving in together and they have equal, you know, weight in it and they pay the same amount because it's the battle of the house rules. Especially if there's one bathroom you share. Come on, somebody. People are particular about their bathrooms. Okay? But you all have house rules. You might not know it, but you do. At our house, we have house rules. And my kids understand the rules. We don't let them run in the house. And it's not because I don't like the thump, 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 thump. It's because floors are slippery. And when they're running, they slip, okay? And my wife is way more compassionate in these settings than I am. But when all of a sudden one of my kids, I hear the duh, 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 bang, and they're like, ah! They come over, and I'm like, what, were you, what, what happened? Like, I hit my foot on the door. You know what my first question is? Were you running in the house? Yes. And I was like, well, there you go then. That's literally, that's literally my, my, my assessment. And then Kate comes over and, and corrects me later kindly and says, babe, you got to love on him first. I was like, that's your job. Okay? My job is to say, see what happens? That's why we have rules, okay? We have rules. We don't, we don't walk on furniture with or without shoes. We just don't, we don't do it. And my kids understand that, and, and, and they obey it. And the reason they obey those rules, the reason that those rules work in the house is because they have respect and honor for dad. It's because they look at me and they say, you're dad, you said it, I'm going to do it, Okay? Now, what I really love is when I have people over and they bring their kids over. 
And I don't go, you know, and, and have everybody, hey, can we have a powwow real quick? I want to share with you my house rules, okay? I don't do that. Most people are respectful enough when they come over to a house, they kind of observe and watch, and they will do whatever the kids are doing or whatever the parent, they'll just say, okay, you know, or they'll ask, hey, can I grab a soda out of your fridge rather than just walking over and, you know what I'm talking about, right? But what I love watching is I love watching when my kids are hanging out with other kids and the kids begin to do something they're not supposed to do in my house, and my kids say, hey, hey, can, can you not do that? My dad doesn't like that. They don't just say, hey, can you not do that? What they say is like, my dad doesn't like it when we do that. Can you not do that? What are they saying? They're saying, hey, the master of the house, we honor him, and we don't do those things. And you didn't know that. It's okay, but my, my dad doesn't like it when, when you do that. What's even more comical sometimes is when the kids are either too young to understand, and my kids don't realize they're too young to understand. And so they come running in, and they're like, dad, 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 so-and-so's doing this. Their heart is right. Their heart is pure. What they want to do is they want to honor. They want to respect. All of us have house rules, but our house rules only work if there is honor given. House rules only work when honor is given. I, I've been to some houses, nobody in this church, I've been to your house, but I'm not going to use you as an analogy. I'll use our future North County campus as an analogy. But I've been to some of their house, not their house, somebody's house. And I walk in, and, uh, you know, I'll observe, and the, the, the parents will be like, hey, hey, honey, okay, can you stop that? Honey, can you stop that? Honey, can you stop And they'll tell the, their child over and over and over and over and over and over again, and they don't stop. And the reason they don't stop is not because they don't understand the rule. The reason they don't stop is because they have no honor for their parents. What Paul understands as he's writing his final words of this letter, he understands this thought. If I just tell them what they need to do, they, they might not do it. If I just come out and say, hey, admonish the idle, strengthen the weak, this is how I want you to live, this is what you need to do, they might not get it. So what I need to do first is I need to instill this idea of honor into them so then when I lay out the rules, the rules actually have weight to them. Are you with me this morning? This is what Paul is doing, in essence, in 1 Thessalonians 5, in this final part of the letter when he says final instructions. He is laying out, hey guys, here's what I need you to do. I need you to honor those that are laboring among you, those that are teaching the word to you, those that are encouraging you, those that are pastoring you, those that are leading you in the things of the Lord. Because if you don't honor them, everything that comes out of their mouth, which actually isn't theirs, it's actually God's, won't have any weight or impact in your life. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you because it's a good thing to do as a pastor. As I was reading 1 Thessalonians 5, I, we've been doing this this whole series. We've been taking a chunk of a chapter and, and preaching it. And there are so many great things in here, and I really wanted to preach some of them. But the Holy Spirit kept leading me back to this passage. I said, God, that's going to be a really hard thing for me to talk about, to talk about honoring the teacher. Okay, this isn't an easy thing to do. Because I understand as I'm talking about this heavenly principle that in essence I'm saying, hey, I'm your teacher, and, and, and the only way this message and any other message gets communicated is through this filter of honor. You can ask the staff. I was like, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't. I was like, hey, Joe, why don't you preach that one? And tell them to honor the... Honor. 
honor. It's a huge principle in the Bible. But just like in your house, if you're not honored, the rules don't get followed. Paul understands something. And listen now, I'm really like my child coming to you and saying, hey, here's what dad says. That's all I'm doing. I'm like, I'm like Kara when she comes to me and says, hey, dad, they're doing this. And I told them to stop and they won't listen to me. And then once that honor is established to dad, then the honor is established to Kara because now they'll listen to Kara because they understand that Kara honors dad and these are the rules. It's a powerful thought. Honor is a huge, huge concept in the Bible. When we look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and we look at verse 12 and verse 13, you see these words. You see the word respect and you see the word esteem. And you might be reading, if you're reading from the English Standard Version, your version doesn't even have the word honor there. But the word respect is this. The word respect comes from the Greek word oida. And it means this. It means to know or to honor. So you could take the word respect out and you could literally put in the word honor. And you could say, I want you to honor those that labor among you. It's this word to know. It's this word to honor. The other word, esteem is hegomai, meaning to regard as valuable. I want you to regard them as valuable and I want you to honor them. I want you, the, the word honor literally means to give weight to. It actually goes back, way back in the Bible days where they'd actually measure out on scales how much something was worth and they would honor it. And so it means to give weight to, it means to esteem, it means to, to hold in high regard and to value. And Paul is saying this, before we get to all of this, how you should live, early church, young church, new church, new convert, we're teaching a biblical concepts, but before we can get to that, here's, here's, here's ground level, I need you to honor the ones that are going to be coming to you and encouraging you in the Lord. Because if you do, then you give weight. To what they are saying. Honor is huge in the Bible. There's six specific uh, people groups that the Bible even calls out and says to honor, and it really ends up encompassing all people. Because honor, we need to understand about honor, honor is not something that is earned. Honor is something that is, is, is applied to a position. Respect is earned. So as a, as a communicator, whoever it is, and we got great ones, I highlighted them earlier, uh, uh, respect is earned through time, but honor is appointed. How do we see this in the scripture? First Timothy 6, 6. I'm going to write this down if you're taking notes. In First Timothy 6, 6, it, it talks about honoring God first and foremost, because that's how the channel of honor works. I honor God, and as, as my wife sees me honoring God, and submitting to God, it's easy for my wife to come in and honor me and submit to me. When my children see my life and there's no contradiction, but they see me praying and they see me in the word and they see me honoring God, it's easy for them to come in and honor me. We gotta honor God. The second one is honor parents. We see this actually as one of the 10 commandments. It's actually the fifth commandment in order and it's the one that separates this, this thing where we're giving honor to God and doing these things. And all of a sudden when it hits five, the first one it mentions, this is where it separates it into how we're to live with people. It says, honor your father and your mother. Paul brings this thought up again in Ephesians 6, one through three. 
And it says, hey, honor your mom and dad. And it says this, for this is the first commandment with promise. For if you do it, you will live long and have good days. Now, the reason you'll live long is because your parents won't kill you. Come on, somebody. Now, we laugh at that, and I was joking, but literally in the Old Testament, if a child was unruly and did not honor his mom and dad, they would actually take him out and execute him. Now, this isn't just a one-time, hey, eat your dinner. No, boom, you're dead, okay? But this would be an observed lifestyle, and no change is taking place, and because they realized that this was detrimental to the growth of what God was doing, they would actually take it out because it's a character flaw. Think about that. So when Paul says, hey guys, I'm going to bring back up the fifth commandment, honor your mom and dad for it's, man, it's, it's the, one of those commandments that comes with promise, you're going to have long life and good days, he was thinking back to, this is what happened back then. If you want to have good days and live long, Obey your parents. That's why I'm going to live to be 120. Come on, somebody. My mom still pulls me aside every now and then. True, she did the other day. And I said, Mom, you're wrong on this one. Still alive, but. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Now, for some of you, that's, that's a really hard verse to hear. I love how Paul, I love how Paul writes it. When he writes it, he says, honor those who labor among you. He doesn't come out and put names there. He doesn't come out and say, hey, honor Paul, me. Honor Timothy and honor Silas. He says, hey, what, what I need you to do is I need you to honor the position that they're coming from. Honor your parents. The third one, honor employers. Ugh. That was the one where we had no amens earlier, remember, when we talked about that? <laughs> Honor your employers. If for no other reason, the fact that they employed you, you have food on the table. You have a roof over your head. And I know people are like, well, I could take my talents somewhere else. Then go take them somewhere else. We all talk really big, right? But when it comes time to take our talents somewhere else, it ain't that easy, is it? Because you gotta, you got you gotta, you gotta put down some people for them to call, yeah. and it ain't gonna be the Ghostbusters. Come on, somebody. You gotta put some people down for them to call. Honor, honor your employers. Honor your employers, and, and I'll be just completely transparent. I, um, the last job I had before we started this church, I had an amazing leader over me, and uh, there there were seasons of my life I didn't honor him. And I've since asked for forgiveness and, and all those. But uh, I remember he would say this to me. He would say, Ben, you will never understand this decision. You'll never understand this, what the weight of this until you're a lead pastor. I don't know if you've ever had your boss say that to you, not lead pastor, but you know, you, you, you don't, you'll never understand it until you're in my position. Anybody ever said that to you before? And if you're a lot like me, you looked at him and said, well, you don't know how hard it is to work for you, Right? I didn't say it out loud. I was smart enough to keep that in my mind. But here I am now as a lead pastor, and those words that he told me back then make so much sense now. 
makes so much sense now. No one knows the weight that an employer carries, especially when they have hundreds of employees under them. No one knows it. Honor them. Honor them. Romans 12.10 says to honor fellow believers. Honor fellow believers. And it literally says this, try to outdo one another with honor. It's like a competition. Outdo each other with honor. Outdo each other with respect and esteem and honoring one another. Honor other believers in your midst. Here we read, and it's again in 1 Timothy 5.17, honor leaders of the church. Honor leaders of the church. And lastly, Romans 13, 1 through 7, uh, has a lengthy portion about this, and it talks about honoring civil servants. Those that work for government officials, presidents, no matter what your viewpoint is of what they're doing, honor. And that might be a good place to stop and repent right now. Honor, honor, honor. It's a biblical concept. Honor, uh, it, it, we can understand it this way. Honor is, is kind of like a, 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 a spiritual or heavenly currency. What is currency? Currency is, is uh, you know, I want to go, I go to a burger joint. I go to Hodad's. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been to Hodad's? Yeah. Okay, a few of you haven't, go. You might die of a heart attack later, but it's so good. And you go to Hodad's, you say, hey, I want, I want that burger. And so you order that burger. And they're like, okay, that'll be $6.95. It's probably more like $12.95, but that'll be $6.95. You're like, no, no, I just, I just want the burger. They're like, right, we just want $6.95. You're like, I don't think you're hearing me. I just, I just want the burger. Try this with a car. Me and my wife are dabbling in car shopping, maybe looking at a new car for her, and We've been checking out a few here and there and looking. And, I mean, she really wants it. I mean, it's, it's a really cute car. She really wants it. And I went and I tried to say, hey, my wife really wants this. And they're like, cool. We really want, you know, $15,000. I'm like, me too. <laughs> There's an exchange. In order for me to get the burger, I've got to exchange something. In order for me to get the car, I've got to exchange something. Listen, if you want to walk in the blessings of God, there is an exchange that takes place. Well, Ben, that sounds like a payment. You mean we've got to pay God for stuff? We've got to pay God for his blessings? No, 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 no. No, listen to what the scripture says, okay? This is something, we're talking about family here. We're talking about the house. We're talking about the church. And if you want to live in peace and in harmony, if you want to live uh, and just, you know, have fun in the home, if you want to live and enjoy uh, your time in that place, just like my kids know when they obey the rules because they honor dad, there's peace in the home. If you want peace in the spiritual journey, there is this principle of honor that has to be given, and when you exchange it, watch this. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Anybody getting anything out of this today? Can you see why I didn't want to preach this one today? Mark chapter 6, check this out. Now we're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about Jesus on earth himself. Mark, one of the Gospels. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And he, Jesus, 
went from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who had heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? They saw the mighty works. They heard of the mighty works. They, they listened to the wisdom. Verse 3, is this, not, uh, is this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and uh, Simon? And are not the, his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Where is that? He's in his hometown. In other words, he's saying this. Look, the reason that these things aren't able to happen, watch this, is because of no honor. Listen to verse 5. And he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, that to me is pretty cool. That's pretty mighty. So I don't know what mightier works would have taken place. But it says he couldn't do any great miracles. And he marveled at their unbelief. And he went out among the villages teaching. Because there was no honor, there was no release of miraculous blessing. Think about that for a minute. Now here's something you've got to understand. See, when most of us think about honor, most of us think it's about the person we're honoring. Most of us think that it, man, my honor impacts and affects the one I'm honoring. But that's not the case. Jesus didn't need any miracles. He was the miracle. Jesus didn't need any healing. He was healing. Jesus didn't need any of that. The miracles were for the people. The blessing was for the people. And by them not honoring him, it didn't impact him. It impacted them. See, most of us have a wrong concept of honoring. We think by holding back our honor from somebody, from our employer, from our mom and dad, from a church leader, from another believer, we think that it's going to, you know, I'm not going to honor them. It doesn't impact them. It doesn't affect them. It affects everything you'll be able to receive from them. Pretty powerful thought. Paul understood this. He said, hey guys, before we get too deep here, I need you to grasp this. Honor those that labor among you. Because by honoring them, you are releasing the full potential of blessings to come on your life. You are releasing the full potential of spiritual blessings, of supernatural power, of walking in the presence and the glory of God. Honor them. And by so doing, watch and see what God does in your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that your word is, is phenomenal. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.